0: If you have your Bible, we're going to be in John 5, so you can go ahead head to John 5, and there's some notes in your bulletin. Last week, Pastor Dan took us through the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, where we saw two healings. We saw the healing of the Roman officer's son, and we saw the healing of the man at the pool uh, that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus has the power to heal, amen? Amen. And uh, physical and spiritual needs. Uh, Dan brought up some of the people that Jesus has interacted with so far and how they have responded. And I want to bring up just for a moment uh, something that we call the discipleship pathway, how we connect people to Jesus here at, at Gateway. Who's heard of the discipleship pathway? All right. Can anyone tell me what the first step on the discipleship pathway is? What's that? Oh, the disciple. Like, uh, Well, look, look on your notes. What? <laughs> Unbeliever. Yeah, unbelievers. And then curious and the believer, disciple. That, that's what I'm talking about. I want to bring that up for you uh, just for a minute for two reasons. One, I think it will help us understand the groups of people that Jesus has been interacting with and encountering. And two, I think it helps us to connect where we are in our faith. So it's kind of near the bottom of your notes there, but I think we, the people that we're seeing in John so far is, is kind of the people that we interact with in real life. So we've seen some unbelievers in the book of John, and that's actually going to be the context of our verses today. Jesus is going to be talking to unbelievers. He's going to be talking to the Pharisees who see Jesus as, as just a man, just another Jewish man. They don't believe or they're even opposed to Jesus. Pastor Dan said last week they rejected and persecuted him. And then we saw that Jesus, he interacted with some people that were curious. I would would consider the woman at the well was curious, The, the invalid from last week was curious, and then they end up believing, right? They receive what Jesus tells them, and they're healed, and they believe. And the Roman centurion, when he asked to for his son to be healed, it says that he believed right so so people move from unbeliever to curious to believer to what's the next one there disciple I believe some of those people that were curious and believers became disciples but we've also seen in the book of John Jesus oh there you go, you got the pathway out show everybody hold it up there it is um, I think that we've seen in John, we've seen Jesus call some of the first disciples. We saw Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and Philip, but we've also seen some disciple makers too. Jesus has been a disciple maker. John the Baptist has been a disciple maker in the book of John so far. So why do I bring that up? Just because the context today is going to be looking at some unbelievers, the Pharisees. So a little bit different than what we've looked at so far. So Pastor Dan last week, he ended with John 5.18. And it said, This was why the Jews were, were seeking all the more to kill him, being Jesus, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's the verse we ended on last week. The Jews wanted to kill him because he was calling himself God. Uh, Pastor Dan said last week, uh, when the Jews heard what Jesus was saying, that he was calling God his Father, they would have known that he was claiming to be God. Our last point from last week was Jesus the Son has the same authority as God the Father. And most of us know that. Most of us believe that, that Jesus is God, and believe that Jesus is God. I had that twice in my notes. I love it. Um, most of us believe that, but moving into the next section in your Bible, you might notice that the title of that section is The Authority of Jesus, and the whole premise for today's message, the main truth, the main takeaway, is that not only is Jesus God, but Jesus is claiming to be Lord, okay? And, and I've split the text into four sections. I'm going to ask us all and myself four questions today about Jesus being Lord, And really, it comes down to, do we believe that Jesus is Lord, and are we submitting to his lordship? And what's unique about today's message than maybe some of the past passages is it's all Jesus' words. It's all his words. There's five words at the beginning that are narrative, so Jesus said to them, and then it's all Jesus for like 19, verse 19 to 47. So... We've, we've heard like Jesus, you know, for curious and believers, he's kind of given one sentence like, come and follow me, or do you want to be healed? But to the unbelievers, to the Jews, he's going to give them a whole sermon. So m- mostly this sermon is from Jesus, not me. I'm just going to hopefully be good steward of Jesus' words here. So, you ready to dive in? Yeah. All right, here we go. John 5:19 to 23. And by the way, I have upgraded to be just like Dan, and I can draw on the text, so. So, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. Let's check this out. Oh, there it is. Greater works. Got it. For as the Father raises the dead, that's going to be important, and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all, what does it say? Judgment Judgment to the Son. That all may, what? Honor. Honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sent him. So first question for your notes today, first point is, do you believe Jesus is Lord? So like I said, the Pharisees are in that unbeliever category. They see Jesus as just a man. And if we agreed with them that Jesus was just a man, we'd understand why Jesus calling himself God and Lord was so blasphemous, right? Who is this guy that thinks he is God? But we learn from this section, from the first chunk we just read, that Jesus, he says, he's equal to God, right? That was Dan's verse from from last week, and he has different functions and roles that are given to him by the Father. And by the way, they all point to him being God. So he's able to give life. He's able to uh, give judgment. He's able to uh, have the power to raise the dead. But it also says that Jesus is subject to the Father in that section. He can do nothing except what the Father is doing. So. This is just from, your, from the ESV study Bible, because I thought it was good. Uh, this does not deny that Jesus and God are, are, are not equal. It says, Only what he sees the Father doing may imply that Jesus had a unique ability to see the Father's providential activities in the events of everyday life, activities that are invisible to us. So Jesus is fully man and fully human. He's walking around, but he can see with God's eyes what God's will is, what Uh, what god wants and he's carrying them out the greater works that's mentioned uh, raising the dead we're going to see that later in john because jesus is able to raise himself from the dead and jesus would be telling the pharisees they'd, they'd understand because the old testament makes clear that raising the dead and giving life are prerogatives only for god so he's saying i am god and i ask you today who is jesus to you so there's a quote by this guy. He was a Scottish preacher in the mid-19th century, John Duncan. He says, Christ was either, one, dece- he deceived mankind by conscious fraud, like he just lied to, lied to us, because that- he's saying he's God here. He was himself deluded and self-deceived, like he just had illusions of grandeur. Or three, he was divine. There's no getting out of this what he calls trilemma. Now, Some of you guys know that later, C.S. Lewis kind of popularized this this, uh, argument because he said that Jesus is either a liar, a lord, or a lunatic. So if you haven't heard this argument, basically it's this. First, if Jesus claims to be God and he's not, if he thinks he's God, he's a madman. He's a lunatic. Or if he's not a madman and a lunatic and he says he's God, he must be a liar. Or third, if he's not a lunatic and he's not a liar then he must be who he says he is. He must be Lord. So basically, C.S. Lewis is arguing, if, if you can prove that he's not a liar or he's not a lunatic, that only leaves Lord. We can't say uh, Jesus is like a good teacher. I, I'm a teacher, and if I was lying to my students all day or was crazy and trying to convince them that I was God it doesn't really matter what I'm teaching. I don't think that makes me a good teacher if I'm lying or saying I'm trying to convince students that I'm God all day. So, if we believe Jesus when he says he is God and Lord, that makes him not a lunatic or a liar. And what is our response? In your notes, I'd put, if Jesus is Lord and we believe he is Lord, our response is to worship Jesus. And that could be another question in, our, in, in itself, right? Are we worshiping Jesus? If we believe his Lord, are we worshiping him? Because he deserves our worship. All right, let's keep going. Verses 24 to 29, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and, what does it say? Believes, right? We got to pay attention to those beliefs because John's throwing in believe. That's, he's trying to get us to focus on that. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now, what does it say? Here. He's talking about right now, is now here, when the dead, what does he mean by dead? Uh, Jesus is talking about the the people that are spiritually dead. Remember, he's talking to the Pharisees. So if you hear Jesus' message and believe he's talking to to the spiritually dead, you will live. So it says, Now hear when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will believe. Will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. This reminds me of, you remember John 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. It says that all things were made through Jesus. There's life in Jesus, and he made all things. So there's life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. So there's a now, and then there's an hour coming. They'll come out and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. All right, I don't want us to get lost here. Is this saying do good, like that's how we get into heaven? Well, evidence of doing, doing good is evidence of our faith, right? Like so verse 24 said, believe, right? So this is evidence that we have faith. Faith comes before uh, works. We're justified by faith, but we show it by our works. All right, here's the second question for you. Do you need to experience life in his name? That is our series that we're going through, life in his name. At the end of John, he says, I'm writing these things so that you would believe and that you would have life in his name. So if we believe that Jesus is Lord today, do you need to experience life in his name? And that might be for the first time, or it might be just because you feel spiritually dead. Maybe you believe that Jesus is God. Maybe you believe that Jesus is Lord. You hear the word, you believe everything that we just read in that section, but you are just spiritually dead right now. And that could be for lots of different reasons. Maybe you feel like you're distant from God, or you're dealing with just some really tough life situations. Pastor Tom talked about we're praying for people that are dealing with really tough life situations. Maybe... Maybe you have just loved ones or family members who are sick or you've had loved ones or family members who have passed away and you just do not feel alive in Christ. You just feel spiritually dead today. Jesus has life. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. He is the living water. That's what we just saw that in one chapter before. He is the living water. Maybe you need to hear that the one who made all things through him. He made the whole universe. He has life inside himself. The one who healed the centurion's son, the one who healed the invalid of 38 years, the one who met the Samaritan woman at the well where she was at when nobody else wanted to interact with her, the one who met her at the well is waiting to give you life in your situation. Do you believe he is Lord over all? And are you willing to go to him today? He's saying, come to me to receive life. And that doesn't matter if, if you're a believer or a disciple or a curious or an unbeliever. He wants to give you that life. And here's the cool part. I wrote in your notes, Eter- eternal life begins immediately. Never really thought about it that way thought about, like, okay, I have Jesus, I'm saved, he says eternal life when I pass, but it's already begun. Like, it looks looks different on earth than it will in heaven, but if we have Jesus and we, we have that life in his name, our eternal life is actually begun now, right? So let's live in it. All right. Jesus switches gears a little bit, and he starts to talk about things that have testified that he is Lord uh, and testified that he is God. So in your notes, I put, what evidence do we have that Jesus is Lord? What evidence do we have that Jesus is Lord? Let's look at this next section. John 5, 30 to 39. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. So Jesus, when they're hearing this, it's, he's, he's uh, talking that what would make sense for the Old Testament, that you, can't, you have to have multiple witnesses. You can't just be your only witness. That's still true in, in court today. If you're your only witness and charges are brought against you, it's kind of hearsay, right? It's their word against yours. So there's a trial theme here, and the Pharisees have kind of put Jesus on trial. You're not God. You're not Lord. So he gives them some evidence. So we're going to see what witnesses does he reference. Okay, let's look in this next section. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to me, here's the first one, John. What John is he talking about? From john 1 john the baptist and he has borne witness to the truth not that the testimony that i receive is from man but i say these things so that you may be saved all right so i put in your notes and i just gave you these ones man testifies to jesus maybe it's kind of the lowest credibility but it's still testifying to jesus so John the Baptist testified to Jesus, but we all testify that Jesus is God and Lord. We have experiences, we have a testimony that we share to other people. That's one way people come to believe. That's one way the Holy Spirit uses us, is using our testimony to help others. So Jesus, he said, hey, I got a friend to back me up. His name is John. And it's kind of cool when you go back and look through the first four chapters of John because John the Baptist is like, "I'm I'm not the bridegroom, I'm the bridegroom's friend, right? So they're, they're pals. They're, they're backing each other up here. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. So he's saying, hey, Pharisees, you were kind of entertained by this guy. He was out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. And, and I like that Jesus calls him a burning and shining lamp because John said... I'm not the light, right? Jesus is the light. I came to proclaim the light. but, But Jesus calls him a burning and shining lamp, right? So his source is Jesus, but he was also a light, just not the light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me, the works to accomplish, the very works that I'm doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So I said, man testifies to Jesus, but also the miracles that are written about. And even miracles today testify to Jesus. What are some of the miracles we've seen in John so far? We've seen water turn to wine. We've seen the healings from last week, right? So these miracles, he's saying, okay, John, he, he, uh, he paved the way, he, he uh, testified to the light, but also I'm doing these signs and wonders to, so that you would believe. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, they bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he sent. There's that word believe again. So God himself is testifying to Jesus When did God testify Jesus and John? Do you remember? At the baptism, right? This is my son. The Holy Spirit descended on him. God himself is vouching for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, pay attention. I got John. I got miracles. I got God himself saying he sent me. That's the evidence we have today. All right, and there's one more. You search the scriptures, these are religious leaders, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. The last piece of evidence Jesus presents is the scriptures themselves testify to Jesus. If we had a whole other sermon, we could look at all the prophecies in the Old Testament that have pointed to Jesus, and they probably know every one of them, but they don't believe that he is the Messiah. A little note from the ESV Study Bible the study of Scripture does not by itself impart life. The Scriptures rather bear witness to the one who gives life, Jesus. Consequently, the study of the Bible all to, re, all to result in genuine faith in Jesus, followed by obedient action and transformed lives, not merely acquisition of Bible knowledge. Right. So we don't just study the Scriptures to know everything about God, that, that's great, that's good, but the scriptures are pointing to a relationship with Jesus who gives us life. And they were looking to script, just the scriptures for life, which scripture is living and active, but God is the one who brings life. And Jesus is the word, right? All right, so the question was, what evidence do we have that Jesus is Lord? Well, there's all four. You don't even have to write them down. They're there for you. Man has testified to Jesus, Miracles testify to Jesus, God himself testifies to Jesus, and the scriptures testify to Jesus. And the best part of this list is it was true back then, and it's, this, it's still true today. All these things still testify to Jesus today. So I put at the end of your notes that discipleship pathway because I want you to ask the Lord and look in your heart, where are you at on that discipleship pathway? And And, and I went through... To back up just a second, I went through John and I looked at, okay, what are people saying about Jesus? It says the scriptures testify and man testifies. So I kind of looked at all the names that Jesus has been given so far in John. So here, here is how John and others have described Jesus. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God, Jesus is life, he's light, he's the Lamb of God, he's the Son of God. Many people have called him a rabbi or a teacher, Messiah, Christ, King of Israel, Son of Man, bridegroom, a prophet, a Jew, a man, and he was called Sir, too. <laughs> I may have missed a couple there, but we could, we could take all those names and I could show you, here's what unbelievers called him, here's what curious people called him, Right, like like the, the sir or the rabbi or teacher. I think of like Nicodemus. They were like teacher, or or, uh, or the Samaritan woman at the well. Are you a prophet? Right, the people that were curious. But who is Jesus to you? And where are you on the pathway? I want you to circle kind of where you are. Are you are you an unbeliever? Are you just you don't you don't believe or you're not sure? Are you curious? Are you a believer? But maybe. Jesus being Lord of your life, he's calling you to more. He's calling you to be a disciple, not just a believer, to follow his teachings, to follow him, to have a relationship with him, or even a disciple maker. Where is he pushing you towards? So it's ironic. We've put Jesus on trial, or the Pharisees have put Jesus on trial, but if he is God, if he is Lord, man doesn't put God on trial. God puts man on trial. On trial, And so Jesus is going to turn here from defense to offense in these next few verses. And the last question for you today is, what is keeping you from making Jesus Lord? I think we, whether we're believers or Christians or not, sometimes we're walking through life and we realize we're just letting other things become Lord of our life, and we need to lay those down. So this is a, this is a morning as we walk through John as a heart check of just, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I'm not living that out. And I need to make him Lord in my life. So, what's keeping you from making Jesus Lord? We're going to see four or five things in this section that are keeping the Pharisees uh, from accepting Jesus as God, as Lord. So, let's look at this. All right. John 5, 40 to 47. Yet, after all that evidence he presented, you refuse to come to me. that you may have life. You refuse to come to me, that you may have life. I put, for the first one there, I just put stubborn. And to honor Dan while he's away today, these are going to be alliterated notes for you at the end. They're all going to be S. We honor him. They're stubborn. You refuse to come to me, that you may have life. John was a witness. Uh, uh, The miracles were a witness. God himself was a witness. And scriptures point to me, yet you refuse. So if you have all this evidence. If you have all this evidence, but you don't come to me, I think that's stubborn. All right, verse 41. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. God sent me, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. So God has sent them, but they don't believe. I put, they're skeptical. I had had disbelief, but I changed it to an S for Dan. They're skeptical. So they're stubborn and they're skeptical. They have all this evidence, but they don't believe. They're, They're skeptic. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his name, you'll receive him. Like you listened a little bit to John, you'll listen to other people, you'll listen to each other. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So they're stubborn, they're skeptical, and they're seeking elsewhere. They're seeking elsewhere. They're seeking the approval of each other and man, but they're not seeking the approval of God. Don't worry, I'll have these listed in a second. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. So you know the Old Testament. You know the scriptures. You know what Moses wrote. If you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And that's the end. That's where he leaves it until we pick up next week. They believe some of the scripture, they're going to the Old Testament, but they're not believing all of it. I said, selective. They're selective. And, um, and I think I, if I had to add one more, that things that keep Jesus from being Lord in our life, just sin in general. So there, there's your list. Stubborn, skeptic, seeking elsewhere, selective, and sin. So I just want to walk through these really quick today, and we're going to pray, and you marked on the discipleship pathway where you think you are. What's keeping you from, from moving to the next step? What's keeping you from going from an unbeliever to being curious or even a believer or to a disciple? What is it? So stubborn. I think these all apply to today. You refuse to come to me that you may have life. Some of us are just stubborn. Maybe you've heard the gospel many, many times and you know all about the Bible, but you are refusing to come to Jesus so that you may have life. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit would break down those walls, would reveal yourself to anyone. I pray the Holy Spirit would reveal itself to anyone in this room who is stubborn or closed off or has a hard heart towards God. Show them that you are real, Jesus, that you are Lord of all. Skeptic. Maybe you either do not believe... In god or you have doubts about who jesus is just maybe he's just a man in history just a myth just a legend a liar a lunatic i pray that the evidence from man testimonies from from friends from family from people that you know who are christians from the miracles from god from scripture especially as we go through john i pray that that you'd be convinced that it would be so overwhelming, that the evidence would be so overwhelming that it would cause you to believe and have faith in Jesus. Seeking elsewhere, you know, maybe, maybe you're a believer, but you're not quite a disciple because you're just letting other things rule your life or have lordship over your life. And this is where I fit in sometimes, talking to myself. Maybe something else is Lord of your life. Maybe you care more about the approval of others than the approval of God. It reminded me of what Jesus asked John's disciples. So when John's disciples, when John's like, that's the Lamb of God, and John's disciples are like, okay, we'll follow him, and then they're following Jesus, and then Jesus turns around and he's like, why are you guys following me? And he says, here's what he says, what are you, what are you seeking? That's what he tells John's disciples. So it's the same question for us. What are you seeking? Are you seeking God's approval, making him Lord? Or are you seeking other things? And selective, the Pharisees were being selective, but maybe Jesus is not Lord in your life because you have trouble believing everything in the Bible, and that's tough. It's easier for us to just pick and choose and believe what we want to believe and form our own religion. Or maybe it's hard for you to follow everything that Jesus tells you to do. I just pray that we would trust that God knows what he's doing. I pray that we would trust his word, that we would give him control and follow him completely instead of just choosing what we want to believe. I pray that for me. I pray that for everyone in here. The last one just sin. Maybe there's something that either has you in bondage or something that you enjoy so much that you don't want to lay down to him. It's keeping you from following Jesus. I pray that, that we would be able to cut sin out of our life. It says in James that our desires entice us, and those desires lead to sin, and those sins uh, ultimately lead to death. And I pray that we would lay down any sin in our lives today, preventing us from making you Lord, making you King, Jesus. May you be the King in our life. So again, you can star or circle that or whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you. But again, the main point today is what is keeping you from making Jesus Lord? And as we walk through John together as a church, many of us believe, many of us, we believe Jesus is God, but there's stuff in our life that just gets in the way of making him Lord. And we need to check every day, pray in the morning that Jesus, you would be Lord of our life. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as they do... You can come, or just, it's just Alan. I'm going to ask Alan to come up. (laughs) And as I do, I just want you to pray to Jesus. We're going to take a couple minutes to pray. Earlier, you circled where you are on the pathway. I want you to just ask Jesus to show you what he wants you to do to move you from unbeliever to curious to believer, disciple, or even disciple maker. We're all in different places in this room, but God is challenging us to move us into another deeper part of our relationship with him so i don't know where i got this I actually found it in a youth lesson and i didn't quote it but i like it and i'm just going to read it to you to close here jesus as savior emphasizes that our sins are forgiven jesus as lord emphasizes a reorientation in life i'm no longer king of my domain jesus as savior impacts me Jesus as Lord impacts me and everyone around me. Jesus as Savior is often deeply personal and private. Jesus as Lord is mission-oriented. We're sent. Jesus as Savior affects only spiritual aspects of our life, maybe just limited to Sunday or, or the religious part of you. Jesus as Lord is holistic. It lays at the center of life. I think my concern sometimes is, Jesus is our savior for a lot of us, which is awesome, he has saved us, but we don't embrace him as, as Lord. And, di- and discipleship, moving from, from, some of us are happy being a believer, but that's not what Jesus has called us to. Discipleship, it's, it's not optional, it's not directed toward the few who choose to take Jesus seriously. With Christ, it's all or nothing, and we're gonna see that as we move through John, it's all or nothing. Jesus is Lord demands our everything. As Savior, that's a one-time decision, but Lord focuses on a lifetime. So as we, as we sing this song and you pray, again, pray, what is God telling me to do? Uh, Alan, we're going to sing together. I'm going to ask some of the youth to give some cardboard testimonies too of Jesus being Lord.